Hey, today's daf is daf chavchet, and we begin from the Mishnah. Halacha bet. Pamachat lo nichnasu lamman. Now, in the Mishnah, you probably got a namal, which is the same words, letters of laman, but backwards. Ad shechashecha. So what happens, they were coming on a ship, all these chachamim, with uh, with Rabban Gamliel, obviously, and they came into the port, but the time the ship came into port was only night time. Amrulullah Rabban Gamliel, ma anrulay red, can we get off the ship? In other words, the question was, when it was Ben Ashmashot, was our ship already within the tchum of the city or the namal? As if it was, then they're part of the city and they can get out. If not, then they've traveled too far and they won't be able to get out of the ship. They stuck the Daladam up. So Amar Lehem Mutar, you can. Shekvarayiti Mistakela could see, we'll see exactly what he saw soon. And I already was in the tchum by the time it came dark. In other words, yes, it's fine, we're in the tchum of Shabbos. No, it's home of the city. Now, the Gemara explains, So, what is it that Rebbe and Gamaliel saw? So, the first understanding is, is Mitzudot, sorry, the, first the Gemara explains, Mitzudot hayal So, Mitzudot here can literally mean traps. So, what uh, Rukhobanena says, and he could work out from those traps exactly what distance it was of Ben Ashmashot, but not by the Sfina. Why? Because the Sfina wasn't going direct to the port. It was meandering somewhat. So you couldn't measure it by the distance traveled by the ship, but rather by straight line measures, okay, by the traps. That's what it sounds like. Again, presumably if it's a sailboat, not motorboat, if you're trying to get a particular location and dictated by the wind, sometimes you have to go in a zigzag way, right? So whatever, that's uh, that seems to be uh, what happened. However... Uh, explanation you're probably more familiar with is is that sorry Pnei Moshe first says Mitzudai's Mishum Mish, comes from language of Lot Sada, meaning that's referring to he didn't sit in ambush to kill the individual. That's a pasuk. In other words, he was watching from that location to see by his eye how close they were. Now, how are you going to measure by eyes? So in this situation, so this is the more familiar one. Uh, Reb Chaim explains he used a shvoferet, some sort of tube. Okay, Shekrimbo Mashkefet, which is a bit like a scope. Let's call it a scope. Vayazashvemutukenet, he explains, Lemidat Sipial Paim, and it was already fixed to see at a distance of 2,000 amot. Now, this is predating lenses, so how does it work? This is not going about some sort of binoculars or something like that, but rather, actually, someone in Mishnah one time sort of explained it to me. Oh, he suggested that what you could do by using simple, like, you know, trigonometry and the like, if you, if you know the height that you're putting it from the ground and it's vertically height, and you put it on an angle, particular angle, it would measure down and, and you can know exactly where, it, given the angle, at what distance your the, the bottom part of the triangle is, if you like, using that sort of mathematics. Okay? So he had it already to look at a distance of 2,000 amot. So if he's looking through it and he could see the ocean, well, he's going to be too far away. If he's looking through it, he can see the land, then he knows he's within the tomb. And that's effectively what he um, what he did. Okay? That's another way of explaining it. So let's explain. So the Gemara says, What are you talking about? Rabban Gamli was of the shit in the previous Mishnah, like in yesterday's learning, we learned that if the Goyim come and pick him up, but honest and place him in a, in a, a particular enclosure, he can walk the entire enclosure. So if they come with a ship and they end up in this Namal that is, you know, got a fence around it, it's like landing in an enclosure, even though you've been taken out of, out of the Chum against your will, because you're in a ship. The ship's traveling, uh, moving you against your will. You're not walking. 
So therefore, what does it matter if they got their Mishachashach, if they're within the Tchum or not? Now they're in a new enclosure on Shabbos, so why can't they get out and walk around the Namal? So the Gemara explains, well, simply you can explain a few ways. Either Tiftashia Belama, sorry, Namal or Laman, your Temi Beitz time. Either we're talking about a situation there, so it was Mukaf, but it was not Mukaf Lashem Dira. And, and therefore we said that an area that's not Hukaf Dira, you're limited to being Beit time in terms of the area that in which you're considered uh, closed off. Such so you can carry and things like that. So therefore, since it was bigger than Beit time, well, that's why it uh, was ineffective. Alternatively, now the Gemara brings all these other prerequisites to be an enclosure which you can carry. For one, let's say, Pachot Me'asarah. Perhaps there was it had an enclosure, but the fence was lower than ten. I mean, also veloya prutzot. They kind of prutzot. They kind of breaches in those fences more than asara. Also veloya omed keneged omed or parutz keneged parutz. Another requirement we saw that if the, even if you've got more omed than parutz, more standing fence and breaches, and other breaches are more than ten. So normally you think that's okay. If, however, the breaches are aligned with one another on like opposing walls, that it makes like a thoroughfare. That would also be bad. Okay, so there's all these manner of reasons why that maybe this namal wasn't uh, didn't satisfy the requirements of Rabbi Gamliel that if they came, if they weren't in the Tchum and Shabbos they wouldn't have been able to get out and walk around. They'd be limited to Dalad Amod. Okay, fine. Let's look the next Mishnah. Halacha Gimel. That's someone who was allowed to go out of the Tchum for say war or there are other reasons which we'll learn. Um, and Amrulah and they said actually Kfar don't worry you're not needed. Okay, everything's fine. So the Gemara says, what happens now? He's allowed to, he's, he's given a tchum to walk 2,000 amot in each direction. Okay? Um, because Yatzah is short, as we said. Okay? Um, let's continue. Wait, one second, I just want to check something. Okay, so the other examples, just read Rechaim, it wasn't just for war. It could be, for example, it goes at Edo Tachodesh, or, or a Chachama, a midwife's coming to, get, get, to deliver someone. Nowadays, because a Hatzala guy, things like that, right? So the question says, now, however, now he's given 2,000 Malakoruach. If he's, if it, the explanation of the Gemara will be in a moment, that if the Tchum we give him overlaps the Tchum of the city from which he came, such that he could walk to within that Tchum, then, then it's as if he's never left the Tchum and is part of his own. So he can go back to the Tchum of his city. Since it overlaps it, then he can go home. Um, and but then he's obviously limited to the city. We don't. He doesn't get two tchumim from that point onwards. Then the Gemara ends. The Gemara is going to try and understand what this means. Anyone who goes out to do some, do some sort of hatzala work, can go back home. Okay. So we have to understand what that means. But let's, the Gemara will explain it. So let's just continue. The Gemara says, I don't understand. If someone is goes out short, and again he's not needed anymore. What else would you think? You'd think you'd be limited to Dalet Amot. Again, we don't want to deter from people doing Hatzalo work, right? Because what's going to happen? They're going to not want to not want to go out because they don't want to know as soon as I've saved the person, I can't move Dalet Amot. So what else would you say? So we say, no. You might think based on the mission we just learned, maybe we should treat it like someone who went out for honest. Meaning, if we saw in the previous mission, if you recall, not previous, two Mishnah ago, that if the Goyim came and took a person by force and placed him out the home, he's limited to Dalet Amot. So you might think, it says, Maybe it's the same din as Ones. So, that's why That's why to teach us in this mission that if he goes Burashud, he has 2,000 amot in each direction. Okay, Amrav Khuna. 
So what this is referring to is when the Mishnah says, if his personal tool we just gave him after he has been told, instructed that you're not needed anymore, overlaps that of the city. Now the question, how much does it have to overlap? So the first explanation is that's understanding of Rab Khuna. He is his position is it has to overlap Dalid Amos. The overlap has to be that much. Okay, like Mitchum Teveria Magadla, which is the two cities which is presumably have such an overlap. However, Rav Khuna Bishem Ravada Sparach says Ravada Rebla Bishem and Rebla says Bishem Rabbi Shimon Menakish Afilu Yitzala Megadla Bechazar Ki Ilu Lo Meaning, even if the two Tchumim are just kissing, if you like, they're only just touching, that would be sufficient for him to go back into his in the, in his Hum Tchum, if you want to call it that, and that would be sufficient. Okay, let's continue. Rabbi Oshaya Dromaya by asks the following question. The question is, what's the question? The question is, okay, we're talking about someone who, okay, what if someone, someone didn't really care, he just went outside, right? He went outside, and then, and then suddenly he gets outside call, okay? Or he saved someone's life or whatever is needed. Now, do we say now that he's done this Hatzala work, now we give him a pay mama? Okay. And then would, would that then enable him to go back home if that tool we just gave him is overlapping his own tool, uh, the home tool? In other words, because initially we ran out, he wasn't got Sebrashut. However, we just said someone who is just, say, doing some sort of Hatzala work, that he is given, given a tool, what to do? So the Gemara tries to mashma from the sefer. Says Amra Pinchas Matnit and Amra Ken. Look at the look at the sefer. Says Shekole Atzim Latzil Chosim Lokomam Chosim Afilu Bezayna. There's two ways. Well, there's two ways to uh, sorry. Chosim Bezayna is another point. Two ways to explain this uh, part of the Gemara. Uh, first, the the Gemara says, oh, the fact that the Mishnah repeated Shekole Atzim Latzil Chosim Lokomam, despite the fact that the Rashi already said Mishiatza Bereshut. He can go back. Why is the mission repeating itself? It must be Marabba, this situation of an individual who was Yotzeb amazing. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, why is that? Rabbi brings a mention, because again, we don't want any deterrent in the, in the face of Hatzalah efforts. Let's put it that way. Okay. Now, however, the Gemara then adds, says, well, there's two ways to understand what this next state, these next three words are. Um, the first explanation is, it's a dechia, meaning, no, why are we repeating the sefer? It's to teach you the chosrin afilu bezayna, that even if they have weapons with them, they went to some sort of like military atzalar effort, that they can bring those weapons back with them. That's what the ribuy of the sefer is doing. Okay? So in other words, it's a rejection of the proof that maybe if you went up amazing and then turned into some sort of atzalar effort, you can go back. No, maybe you can't. So, and, but the reason why we're repeating the safe is the teacher can take, even bring, bring his weapons back. Now, that's obviously important because um, uh, because if you leave the weapons behind, then they're going to be compromised uh, militarily, etc. And it could be even danger, like we'll see soon. However, there's another experiment Rabbi Chaim gives. He says, no, it's not a rejection. It is good proof that even if it was mamazid, what is, but what's uh, the Chuzrim, uh, sorry, what's the last statement, Chuzrim Afilu Bezaynam? That's simply to teach you the, if you like, the Chidosh, they can go back even with their weapons. Okay, let's continue. Tani, Goim Shebaula Ayarot, Asmachot Lesfar. What happens if Goim came to cities on the border? 
to take even if they were coming not as a military thing like to kill people but rather just for stealing right they wanted to steal straw they wanted to steal wood nonetheless we say on Shabbos they can go out with weapons to stop them and bring those weapons home with them. Why? Because we're concerned that if a, a, a border town is compromised, well, that's our first line of defense, and that could be a way into to, to the Eretz Israel for the enemies. Okay? So even if it appears to be just for uh, monetary issues, or meaning they just want to plunder and pillage and things like that, no, we stop them straight away. However, if it's Baul Ot, if however we've got thieves that were coming into cities that move Laot, meaning surrounded by other cities, then they don't necessarily have that strategic importance as those of the border towns. Therefore, we don't go Mechala Shabbos to go out and fight them with weapons. Unless, of course, they came for Iskana Fashot, meaning they were th- it was life threatening. Because Chilul Shabbos in that situation is only Latzala Nafashot, and not because some person might be, uh, because people might be stealing a few, um, for, for, like stealing some straw and wood. Okay. Now, the Gemara now ends. British John initially, what would happen? I'm sure you're familiar with this, uh, this um, Gemara, this is in Bavli. When they came back from the war or from, from their whatever ex- military exercise, they would then place all the weapons in the the first house that was that was available within the walls. Yes, you can bring it back, but they wanted to minimize it and therefore they just placed it all there. What happened is there was a, a, a second attack, if you like, and all the weapons from the first um the first word of exercise was actually was, was still in that one house and there was a panic therefore in a panic they, were, they end up crushing one another to grab the weapons and end up killing one another and if you like in a stampede more than they lost in the actual on the on the front in the battle Okay, so therefore, Hitkinu, that not only were they bringing the weapons back to the city, everyone can take the weapons all the way home with them okay Again, because that's obviously to for security purposes. If we're allowing for security purposes, Hatzan Nefashot to take it out, they have to take it back. Otherwise, it will become in a more uh, precarious situation if there's a again a counteroffensive or something like that. Okay, let's continue. Next halach, this halacha dalim. Mishi yashav b'derech. Someone who is um, he was he was yashav uh, b'derech, meaning he was journeying, and he and he where he was is he thought where is Tom Shabbos. However, then when Shabbos came in, Ba'amadni got up Ba'arei. He realized one second, I'm in the tomb of the city. The question is, the fact that in the tomb of the city doesn't make him like the Bnei Ir, that he can go into the city, walk around the city, and pass the city in another two thousand amot, or because he wasn't aware that it was in the tomb of the city, that where he is is that's his tomb. So il the Gemara says, il so Rabbi Meir says, no, you didn't have, your intention wasn't to shovet, if you like, to be one of the Bnei'ir. So therefore your tchum, the center of tchum is from where you're standing. And therefore you can't really go into the city. What it means not going to the city means you can't go past your own tchum. Obviously the entrance of the city you could, because that would be a little bit of an overlap if you were in the tchum of the city, you can't go any further. Rabbi Yura says, no, you can't ask. Why? Because the king of Shvita, Rabbi Chaim says, Shvita It was a mistake in the beginning. Had you known you were much more in the tchum, the city would have been fine. That's and Rabbi Yudah tried to make a maizah, and Nichnas Rabbi Tarfon, there's a maizah with Rabbi Tarfon, and it was Nichna and, and that was below Mitkaven, and he still went into the city. So you see that if it was below Mitkaven, then it's, uh, if it, within the Tchum, then you're allowed to go in the city. That's where you tried to bring a proof. The Gemara is going to show how that proof is rejected. And I'm, I'm all, how, what, are the, what does Rabbi Meir do with that proof? 
So let's continue. The Gemara says, "Me, you got written Shiashan, but it probably should be Shiashad because Shiashan is the next Mishnah." So, "Me Shiashad v'derech, Amru v'halo beit midrashos Rabbi Tarfon al betoch kumal pain." He says, "How can you bring a proof from Rabbi Tarfon? Maybe when he went into the city to go to that midrash there, that what? Uh, so when he went, sorry, not Rabbi Tarfon. When he when when um, yeah, so he went into the beit midrash. It says." Maybe went into the Beit Midrash. It was within 2,000 Amot from his where he was situated in the beginning of Shabbos. In other words, as I explained to you before, from that location, he would be able to enter the city, but not go more further than 2,000 Amot from where he was stationed in the beginning of Shabbos. But so therefore, it's possible that the fact that you saw him go into the city and go to the Beit Midrash doesn't mean he was like a Bnei Ir and can go throughout the city. It might just be that that Bay Midrash was close to where he was situated in the beginning of Shabbos. So you can't bring a proof to say, oh, now he's like a Bnei Ir. Or maybe, or maybe it might just be that, yes, you know he was outside the city, say, behind the mountain, but Rebbe Tarfon knew the city, and he knew he was already within the city at the time. So maybe he, he's Machshabra at the time, would say, I want to be like Bnei Ir. So I bring a proof from Tarfon. However, Eshtach Tani, you find a writer that says, What happened in the morning? The sun rose. Amrullah and someone found him and says, Rebbe, the city is near you. He can ask, go inside. So we see, it seems to be clearly from the story, well, there's different explanations, but what, what the, the Reb Chaim brings, but clearly from the story, it seems to prove that he didn't know he was in the tomb of the city because someone had to come and inform him of the fact. Okay, I mean, you could just simply say that they formed it even though he already knew, but it seems to suggest that the Pshat here seems really suggest, I think, even though Rebchaim thinks the second way is a better way of understanding it, if I'm not mistaken, but it seems to suggest that he, was when, that he didn't know. But nonetheless, you still have the other argument that once again, maybe, just maybe that Beit Midrash was in the tomb of where he was standing. So again, you can't bring a proof. Okay, let's continue. Halach, this next mission, Halacha, hey, Mishisham Baderech, someone who fell asleep. Veloyada, meaning he didn't he didn't connect shvita, but he fell asleep and onset of Shabbos at Shechashecha. What's the din now? Does he have a tchum two thousand a lot or not? Nothing at all. So, um, Rabbi, so yes, first opinion is yes. Well, payma malakog rachdi bereyochan emenuri. Bereyochan emenuri says he's he's connect shvita where he was, even though he didn't say anything. He was asleep at the time. It's fine. We'll try and understand soon. The Chamerim says emo el arbamo. Chamerim say no. He wasn't Konesh Vita, he was asleep at the time, therefore he's, he's only has Abramo. Now, I'll just mention the Pnei Moshe, because the Pnei Moshe brings explanation of the Bavli, that it's related to whether Chefzei Hefker Kone, with whether, the, um, where is it? Let me get the Lashon. That's the Lashon. Meaning, let's say you've got a Chefetz of Hefker. What's its Tchum? Right? So one understanding is, well, Rabbi Nochem says, meaning wherever it is, that you can take, only take that object 2,000 more from where it's located. I mean, if it's in the city, it's all city and beyond, but we're talking about, say, in the middle of a desert or something like that. Okay? Um, so therefore, according to Rabbi Nochem a person who falls asleep is no different to to, to, to um, Chetzei Hefger, and therefore it's Konesh Vita. However, Rechachamim say they're not Konesh, and the Chetzei Hefger Whoever picks it up, it's like his chafetz to go wherever he can go. Ah, so you see that things can't automatically konesh vitas. Therefore, according to Chachamim, well, this Nebuch guy didn't konesh vita. He was asleep at the time of onset of Shabbos. So therefore, you know, that's what he doesn't, he doesn't get a tchum. He's only got Dalet Amor. That's the way the Pnei Moshe explains it based on the Babli. I think we'll see in the Gemara, Yerushalmi is slightly different. But let's continue. 
The question is, how do you calculate these Dalad Amot? So, um, Rebbe Eliezer says, these Dalad Amot is Huba'emtza. He's in the middle of the Dalad Amot. Rebbe Yehuda says, Le'ezer Ruach Shiyurtzeh, that actually he has Dalad Amot in one direction, but he can pick. Okay? So once he chooses, that's where it is. But once he chooses direction, let's say to the east where he's standing, he wants all the Dalad Amot to me, then he can only go eastwards for Amot, and that's it. He can't go west at all. So he can choose. He can choose to be in the middle like Rebbe Leezer. What's interesting here is um, the Pnei Moshe once again says halachas like chachamim because what does it mean dalad amot? It says bezesh yeshlo lahalech dalad amot lo kol ruach. His tchum is to walk dalad amot in all the, both directions. Okay, mimakom emeratol raglav v'chutz. Okay, aval liinyan tiltul but carrying things. Well, ein lo tatelal b'tochar murabash dalad amot. You can only carry within dalad amot, which is again interesting. Shad what, what we said. Now there's a difference when chachamim the way Pnei Moshe explains it. We haven't seen this clearly in Yerushalmi yet, but um, that he's got Dalamot Koruach to walk, but to carry only Dalamot Ruach. Okay. Now, let's try and understand the, the difference she taught in the beginning of the mission of someone who's asleep. So, someone who fell asleep and, 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 he didn't, and he didn't wake up until nighttime. And we said, again, Rabbi Yochum Minur says 2,000 Amot, and Chachami say Dalamot. So, Rabbi Zira B'Shem Rav Chastai, Says time the Yochanan. The reason Rabbi Yochanan says Mechash Iloya Er Hayakon Shvita, and and only because Yashan Lokan Shvita, then change the word ain't Yesh Yesh Lo Apaimavalak or Ruach, meaning means if he was awake, he would have been mitkaben Koneshvita at that location, and it's only because he was asleep at the time he couldn't do so. Therefore, he is we say it doesn't matter because Iloya Er would want would want to be Koneshvita. Therefore, it's Koneshvita. In other words, a reader of Chaim, Dahashti Yasham Nami Kanashvita, the Kaven and Nichale Leknot Shvita, therefore with Koneshvita at that location. So in other words, it's almost like Iloaya Er is a, is a rationale to allow to automatically Konehim be Maknehim Shvita. Okay? Konehim Shvita? Yeah, maybe that's Lashon. Now, the Gemara says, what about the following case? Rabiura Marafilu Er, now we're going to learn this piece according to the two ways brought in Rukhaim. So I'm going to do the, uh, well, one, one at a time. So let's go through it first, the first way. According to the first way, the first reading is that what Rabbi Yehuda maintains is if someone is awake and he doesn't say, I want to Konesh Vitatimim right here, then he's not Konesh And we say, At Rabbi Yochanan ben Nur, it says, that sounds Rabbi Yehuda is like Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. In other words, according to this way, again, take out the word Ella, according to this way of reading it, Rabbi Yochanan Menuri is more, it's more machmir if he's awake than when he's asleep. Why? Because if he's awake and he has the capacity to, to say, I'm Konesh Vitatibim Komi, and he doesn't do so when he keeps quiet, it's worse because he's had the opportunity to do so and he didn't do it. It's only if there was some other extenuating circumstance, like he fell asleep. And if he was awake, he would have wanted to. And we say, okay, that's Rabbi Yochanan Menuri's make to say, we're Konesh Vita for him. But if he was awake and he didn't do so, it's more machmir, okay? Because you had, why are you saying, why are you Konesh Vita? You didn't say it, therefore it's, it's nothing. Okay, that's the first way of reading it. Um, the second way, which we'll see in a moment, which Rebbe says, is Yikar, I'll explain it. So again, the first way is that it seems to be worse if you're awake 
and you don't say anything, if you didn't actually say, I'll that you wouldn't be Koneshvita at all. Even Rabbi Yochanan would say that. However, there's another way of explaining it, which keeps the Nusach, I think, like you have it in front of you. If you recall, two places I took out the word Ella. So if we go over it again, it says, which means that if he's awake and it didn't stipulate it, then nonetheless it doesn't matter. So it's opposite of said. It doesn't matter. He's still Koneshvitato according to Rabbi Yehuda. So after Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yochanan Menuri, and Rabbi Yehuda is like Rabbi Yochanan Menuri in the sense of what Rabbi Yochanan wears. Ma'achashi ilu ayah era era konel shvita ayah era velo kanal shvita in law ella al paimama lekorach. Back to ella word again. You know, it's just Rabbi Yochanan Menuri says if he was awake, since since if he was awake, he would have been konel shvita. Being asleep, it's as if he, it doesn't matter. He's konel shvita. So too, now we're not saying it's worse being awake. So too, while he's awake. We can still say he would have wanted to, so therefore he's kind of anyway. You don't actually have to, have to stipulate it. That's like a second way of saying it. And according to this understanding, even the Chachamim would agree. Meaning, when are they cholek? Only when he falls asleep. When he's awake, he doesn't have to actually have to say, I'm komi, because it's almost automatically would be Okay, that's the second one. And he says, according to Reb Chaim. Okay, let's just finish the Gemara now. Gemara says now, Rav Chuna Amar, Amar of Avernachem, sorry, Avernachem Mer Yaakov, by Ger Shetavala Achar Sheir Mizrach. What if a Ger, someone who converts, he's Tovel Achar Sheir Mizrach, meaning he's Tovel for to finish his Ger on Shabbos itself. Now the question is, Ma'achashi Eloi Hayag Ger, instead of Er, Ger, because if he was already a Ger, say, on Erev Shabbos, he would have said, Ha'akonosh Vitato, Ma'amar Yochanan Menuri. What would Rabbi Yochanan Menuri say in this case? This is a really interesting one, because he said, if someone was asleep during Benesh Mashot, we said, Ilu haya er, if, had he been awake, he would have been Konesh Vita, therefore we Konesh Vita. But the Ger, it's a different story. He wasn't Jewish then. Do we also say, Ilu haya ger, had he been Jewish at the time, he would have said, Konesh Vita, therefore it would work. Or we don't say that. And here it seems to be left as a question, despite the fact that Gemara says, Neshimina Min Hada. Because what Ruchaim says, he says it's chaserchan because you see the answer doesn't really have anything to do with the question. So it seems to be there must have been a question at this point regarding who's the halacha like. So he says so therefore nishmene minhada the mariyitz the mariyitz like bar nachman b'shem rabbi yosho ben levi halacha rabbi yochanan menuri that we see the halacha like rabbi yochanan menuri. So you know, the answer is who's the halacha like. So the question at this stage is chaserman. There's something chaserman from the Gemara here. The question would have been is who's the halacha like? And the answer is halacha ben yochanan menuri. That someone fell asleep. Coming into Shabbos, we say, don't worry, he would have 2,000 in all directions. Ah, what, what about if he was awake in the desert and he didn't say, well, that would be a machloket between the two ways we understood the Gemara before us, whether Rabbi Yochemiru says it's more machmen in that situation or it's no different. All right? You, you have uh, this issue at all the times when, uh, if you have a gear, the Sphere Soma, for example, right? Becomes a gear in between the period, so... Does he start to with a bracha? Fine. So yes, when you start to now, you also have uh, uh, pretty much... Correct. I was just about yeah. to say the same thing. Pretty much, I think most bar mitzvah drushes we hear over the next uh, few weeks <laughs> will be that question. It's, uh, it's a favorite. So I'm but saying, it always shows up. We'll have to pick up uh, this. I just want to share with you one more thing. Sure. I have a friend of mine who was a member in Hatzola in Bar Park when sure. they first started out. And the psaq from the Moshe was that when they go on a call, they can uh, drive back home to their base or where 
Oh. That's what he said. Okay. Now, he, he moved to Hanov, and he told me that when he got to Etzatola, he continued working for the local Etzatola, and the Psak, I know which Rav in Hanov, said, no, you can't you can't return uh, for when you go on a call. Moshe Moshkowitz was in Hanov for years, worked for Hanov, and always got back. I'm telling you, this is what the guy told me. You know who he is. He goes to the town of Rebbe Shea also. But whatever. So if I'm not mistaken, I think there's a Hatzalah that, that they have a Goy driving one of their cars back after things. I think that's what is in Melbourne, if I'm not mistaken. We've been going back many years with uh, yeah. Hatzalah and Hanov. So I don't know what the story is today. Yep, neither do I. It was different <laughs> psak. That's all I wanted to say. All right, very good. All right, Shkoyach. Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Give me a Shabbos.